0: It's been many months now since musicians and audiences have been able to come together for live music, but as restrictions begin to lift in many parts of the country, and as friends begin to gather, diners return to restaurants, and sports fans begin attending live games once again, hopefully live music events won't be too far behind. Which made me think of Met Opera Orchestra timpanist Jason Haheim's post about the physical and mental aspects of his experience returning to performing after nine months away. Which then made me think of a story I once heard about a well-known musician who was one of those rare folks who never had, or at least never admitted to, any issues with nerves, except for the time they returned to the stage after a long break from performing. Which then made me wonder if a lot of folks might find their pre-concert routines and backstage rituals feeling a little rusty or unfamiliar for the first few performances which made me think that maybe this could be a good time to take a closer look at one particular tool that is often used to help manage nerves and boost confidence on the day of a performance. And what tool might that be? Well, the good old backstage pre-concert self-pep talk. That thing you do when you sit yourself down and tell yourself that you can do this, that you've done this dozens or hundreds or thousands of times before, and that you're totally prepared and totally got this. Of course, sometimes, no matter how many times you repeat those kinds of words to yourself, they just don't seem to sink in. So could there be a better way to do this, perhaps? Well, a team of European researchers recruited 78 college students to participate in an imagery study. Participants were randomly assigned to one of three groups, a first-person imagery group, a third-person imagery group, and a verbal group. Then everyone was asked to take an assessment, which was designed to gauge their mood at that very specific point in time. It's a pretty short and simple assessment where you're presented with a list of 10 positive mood words, like strong or enthusiastic, and then you're asked to rate how much of that you feel at the present moment on a five-point scale from very slightly to very much. The two imagery groups were then given a tiny bit of training on how to do imagery from either a first-person or third-person view. The first-person group was asked to imagine cutting a lemon with the following instructions. Imagine it happening to yourself, as if you are there and you are actively involved in this situation and seeing what is happening through your own eyes. The third-person group, on the other hand, was instead asked to Imagine it as if you were observing yourself taking part in the situation, as if you were watching a film of yourself. After trying this out with the imaginary lemon, they were given a few more examples to practice with, before it was time for the study to begin. Meanwhile, participants in the verbal group received no imagery training, and were simply asked instead to concentrate on the meaning of the words in the sentence which I know seems like a rather odd-sounding set of instructions, but I think this was their way of trying to get participants in this group to avoid engaging in any sort of imagery, but without explicitly telling them to avoid using imagery. Because as soon as you tell someone not to use imagery, of course that's going to be the most natural thing that pops into their head. So, once everyone was clear on what their instructions were, they were presented with an audio recording of 100 descriptions of various positive scenarios. Like, you switch on the radio in your kitchen to a popular music channel. The songs make you feel lively and you want to dance around. Or, it's your birthday and your partner reaches over to you with a present. You open it and feel incredibly happy. Again, the imagery groups imagined seeing these scenarios in their minds, while the verbal group just thought about the words and the description of the scenario without actually visualizing it. After they were finished listening to these scenarios, They took the mood assessment once again to see if anything had changed. And was there any change? Well, as you've probably already guessed, there was no change in mood for participants in the verbal group. On the other hand, participants in the imagery groups did experience a positive boost in their mood. And was one type of imagery more effective for shifting moods than the other? Well, in this particular study, the type of imagery used didn't seem to have any effect on the participant's changes in mood, but some previous studies have found internal or first-person type of imagery to be more conducive to more positive mood. So if the first-person perspective feels comfortable to you, it might be better to go that route just in case. So what are the main takeaways here? Well, before we get to that, it's important to note that the participants were all first-year psychology students, and on average, about 19 years old, and nearly all were women as well. And this particular study was oriented around cultivating positive mood rather than the kind of excitement or confidence that one would want to cultivate backstage before a performance. All this to say, it's not clear how generalizable the results are to everyone or to performance settings specifically, but it does seem like something that might still be worth a try. Because while there can certainly be some value in having a backstage mantra to repeat to ourselves, whether it's, I got this, or I'm excited, or I've practiced for this for months, and I am as ready and prepared as I've ever been for anything, previous studies do suggest that visualization can have a positive effect on mood and confidence. And I'm intrigued by the idea that a pep talk might work better if it's more visual than verbal. instead of telling ourselves we got this on an intellectual level, we take some time to imagine and visualize times where we were in the zone, and we remember the feeling of being present and engaged in the performance, of being totally connected to our instrument and completely immersed in our sound, and experiencing the excited type of butterflies rather than the panicky kind. We've all heard the saying that a picture is worth a thousand words, so maybe the same is true when it comes to shifting our mood And mental state into a more optimal place as well. You can find links to this week's study and other resources at bulletproofmusician.com slash blog. And if you found the episode helpful, please share it with a friend or practice buddy who you think might also enjoy experimenting with this during the coming week.